1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 to 15. And I'm going to pray for our time in the Word, and then um, let's go forward. So. <clears throat> God, we're thankful for all that you've done for us. We're thankful for this time you've given us to come and, and to worship you, uh, to sing songs of praise to you, to declare your authority over this place and in our hearts. Uh, God, we pray that as we look at your Word, that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit, that uh, you would be speaking to our hearts, encouraging and strengthening us in the truths that you have uh, placed here for us. God, I pray that uh, we would just be equipped today to uh, serve you better, to serve you with uh, hearts that are more full of, of love and affection that you have displayed to us even today. God, I thank you that your affections for us are unlimited, that there's nothing that holds you back from uh, extending compassion and love to us, that you extend it completely to us, God, that you uh, give it freely, Lord. And we got to pray that you uh, would just show that to us today. God, show us your love for us and in every circumstance. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 to 15 says this. <clears throat> We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another. And to everyone. <clears throat> the past uh, few weeks we've been in First Thessalonians and been uh, studying this letter that Paul has sent to the Thessalonian church. Uh, and he's done a number of things throughout his time. He's uh, been thankful. He's declared his thankfulness for their faith and for God's work among them. The things that God is doing in and through them. Uh, they're a church that has faced persecution and faced um, faced authorities coming after them and coming uh, to try and inhibit their work, but God has shown himself faithful to uh, to declare and extend his kingdom in Thessalonica. And so Paul is thankful for their faith that has been demonstrated throughout Macedonia. Uh, he also has told them during our time that he longs to see them. He's been hindered actually uh, even by Satan for a couple of years uh, to uh, to coming to see the Thessalonians. And so Paul declares his longing to see them, and Thessalonians have also sent back their longing to see Paul uh, through through Timothy, who was uh, sort of went between Paul and them uh, for some communication. And Paul encourages the Thessalonians throughout this time to uh, to walk in holiness and to cling to the hope that is in Christ. Uh, one thing that we think he wasn't able to share with them while he was. Uh, in Thessalonica ministering for the first time uh, was about the return of Christ, his coming again, because Paul spends so much time in Thessalonians speaking of the fact that Christ is going to come again. Uh, Four or five times in Thessalonians, he says Christ is coming back and speaks of Christ coming back. And he even explicitly explains uh, what's going to happen to those who pass away before his coming and what's going to happen to those that are here when he comes back again. And so uh, he spends significant time in that and wants to extend to us the hope that is found in a relationship that goes beyond this life, that extends beyond our, 
uh, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years that we have uh, in the midst of eternity to spend on this earth. And so, uh, so Paul, Paul encourages them that their hope in Christ is eternal, that because of Christ, yes, you have salvation and, and that has transformed the way you're living today, but has also put you in an eternal relationship with your Creator who made you in His image. And so Paul has encouraged them to live in holiness and in hope. Uh, and to close out the book, he is giving a couple of uh, giving a handful of practical instructions to the Thessalonians. And so today we're going to be looking at uh, a first sort of set of practical instructions he gives to the uh, congregation in Thessalonica. And next week we'll look at uh, a second set of those uh, instructions. The first set of instructions we're looking at today deals with leaders, and the second will deal with uh, struggles we face in life and how to handle them. Um, and so the first set of instruction, again, is about leaders uh, among the church of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, again, verses 12 and 13 speak to this. He says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Paul here uh, if you'll notice, in the, in the middle of verse 12 says, there are individuals that are apparently over you in the Lord. That a part of God's plan in the church is to have some that lead out in the ministry of the church in some way. And so Paul declares explicitly that there are those that are over you in the Lord. And so uh, he gives us a couple instructions and in how we're to relate to those who are over us in the Lord. And he says this, that we should respect them and esteem them. And the word he uses here for respect is uh, actually in the Greek is adenai, uh, which is important because usually when the word respect is used and translated into English, uh, it comes from the word phobon. And phobon means to revere or have uh, fear of or uh, awe of or uh, reverence for uh, the, the authority that is there. Whereas adenai is the acknowledgement of a calling that is there, acknowledgement, a, a knowing that there are these leaders, knowing who these leaders are and knowing that they are there. So it's a knowledge of, a respect for the position that is validated there in the church. And so uh, Paul is saying that we ought, to ex- we ought to respect, that we ought to acknowledge the authority that God has placed in the church through leaders that are there. And so uh, Paul is saying that we, we ought to have a recognition of leaders in our church. Um, so there's a respect and acknowledgement of a calling that the Lord has placed on individuals' lives to serve and equip the churches that we are a part of. And so he's saying that to the Thessalonians, look around your, uh, your congregation and see that there are those who've been called to step forward and lead in a special way uh, in this calling that, that is on their lives. And so recognize that and respect that. And the second thing that he says to them is that you should esteem them that you should think highly of them because of the work that they are doing. Um, and so two things we are to do for those who are leading us in the church is that we ought to respect them, acknowledge that they have uh, a certain overness in, of us in the Lord, and also esteem them for the work they do, that, that we should think highly of them. And so on one hand, there's a recognition of leadership within the church. On the other hand, there's an expectation that Paul gives of those who are leaders. And he puts it this way. He says, they're the ones who labor among you, and they're the ones who admonish you. 
Paul says in verse 12, respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you in the Lord. To labor means what? To sit on, you know, sit on the internet and, and find news stories and just kind of give a talk every once in a while? No, like to labor is to do work, to work hard at what you're uh, called to accomplish, to, to put significant effort toward doing the work of the ministry. And so uh, Paul says that we ought to respect and esteem those who are laboring among you for the kingdom, who are working hard to listen to and follow the Holy Spirit as he leads the congregation. That God has put a calling, a clear calling that we have acknowledged in these individuals' lives and that he has called them to lead us as congregations in the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's telling the Thessalonians is that you should see among you that those who are laboring for the Lord are working hard to listen to the Spirit, to understand the Word, and to lead the congregation in the direction it ought to go. The second expectation we see of leaders, not only that they're working hard to understand where God is going and uh, trying to follow His Holy Spirit, but they are also admonishing the congregation. That they are, as they listen to the Word of God, and, and the Word of God is uh, given to them, and they understand it, and, 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 uh, and study it, and, and grow in it themselves, that they take what God has given and planted into them, and admonish those around them with truth that might be difficult to hear. So he says, the leaders among you are those who are, are going to say the things that are difficult to say, that are going to bring uh, a word that, uh, that is important for us to hear, despite how difficult it is for us to hear. They admonish you in the Lord. They give correction uh, with the Lord's leading and according to his word. So the expectation of leaders is that, that, that they labor among you, that they admonish you, and as a result, we as a congregation need to respect and esteem those who the Lord has placed over us in the church. Um, this passage speaks to my understanding of uh, leadership and, uh, and as God has sort of formed what I think about pastors, quote, uh, or ministers or uh, professional, uh, professional Christians or whatever, whatever you want to call it, uh, vocational uh, uh, believers. Um, and, uh, as I've thought about this more, I, you know, I, I really believe that, um, that we should be careful about the titles that we give to each other. Jesus even is very uh, clear that, uh, we ought to be careful about the titles that we give to leaders. And so, um, as I've studied this out a little bit, uh, I've come to know this, that, uh, one thing is true that we are all priests. You know, first Peter declares that we are a holy priesthood, that, that there is no, uh, no difference in righteousness between a, quote, layman and a, uh, a vocational uh, minister. That we are all righteous before God. And yet Paul here clearly says that there is some sort of overness that people have over one another in the Lord, that God has called people to lead in some capacity, in some way. And so uh, when I think about being a priest, I think about what does the priest do? Well, he offers worship and sacrifices at the temple, right? In the Old Testament, that was the framework for a priest. He would go to the temple. He would take the sacrifices people brought. He would offer them at the temple. He would take care of the temple, keep it holy and pure. So that was his job. And for the, temp, for the priest, there was also uh, individuals called, uh, called uh, temple servants. 
And we see this in Ezra as well as Nehemiah and Second Chronicles, that these temple servants were there to do the menial tasks of upkeeping the temple and preparing the priests and making the, equipping the priests to do the job that they were called to do and accomplish. And so my framework for understanding leadership has come sort of from that in that, uh, that pastors uh, or vocational ministers aren't to be equated with priests of the Old Testament, but rather with temple servants. Because the truth is that we are all priests in Christ Jesus, that he has formed us as a royal priesthood, that we are all priests and holy before God and are to be ministering at his temple. His temple is not a physical place anymore. It's our spirit. It's within us. It lives within us. And so uh, we are priests and we are working in this temple that God has given us to worship him with. And so who are the, uh, who are the pastors to be equated with? Not the priests, where it's typically equated, but rather with the temple servants who are there to equip the priest to do their job in ministering at the temple. You see, we're all called to ministry. Uh, First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians 5, 16 to 21 uh, empowers us, gives us this ministry that we are called to. He says, uh, Paul says this in Second Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So who are the ministers? Well, we all are. We are all called to a ministry of reconciliation, a ministry declaring that we ought to be reconciled unto God. And so uh, a minister, a, a, a leader in the church, isn't, isn't something different than a congregant. No, they're just leading out in it. So instead of calling him uh, pastor or, or giving him a title that somehow exalts that individual over and against the others, we ought to consider them leaders in the ministry that we're doing. So uh, that's why in our church, uh, my title, so to speak, is lead minister. So uh, I lead us in accomplishing the ministry that we are all called to. In the same way, um, we have lead worshipers that come in. Uh, Brandon's come in to lead worship for us today, and he is leading us in worship. Are we all not worshipers? Yeah, we are all called to worship God. We're all called to sing songs unto him and declare his truth over our lives and over this place and over, uh, over the situations and circumstances that we're facing. But Brandon was leading us in worship. So he's a lead worshiper. He's not uh, a special pastor set apart in some way and, and more holy than anybody else. No, he's just leading us in worship. Another priest leading us in worship. And so uh, Colossians 3, 17 or 3, uh, 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thank- thankfulness in your heart. Uh, and then Hebrews thirteen fifteen, Through him let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Those passages are to all of us. They're not to one specified individual that is somehow uh, specially leading us. No, we're all called to worship and to worship in spirit and in truth. And so uh, those who lead us in worship aren't uh, worship 
pastors in some special exalted sense. No, they're just lead worshipers. They're leading us in worship. That's my understanding for uh, those who are in vocational ministry is that uh, that we are not somehow separate or uh, of some higher uh, classing or anything. No, we're just leading everyone else in doing what we are all called to do and accomplish. We are serving uh, the congregation in ministering to the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so uh, my framework for understanding leadership in the church is this, that no pastors aren't associated with the priests. They're associated with the temple servants because that's what we we're serving. We're serving a priesthood that is ministering before the Lord in the Holy Spirit. So first we've seen that uh, Paul gives some instruction to uh, the congregation in, in terms of those who minister and, and that we ought to recognize those who have an, are over us in the Lord in some way and that we ought to uh, see that they have an expectation of themselves, that they, that they are laboring and admonishing those among them. Uh, and that we also should recognize that all of us are called to the ministry of reconciliation. We are all called to worshiping. We are all called to be making disciples in this world. And so uh, we see that uh, this is the call Paul speaks of as he instructs us about how to view ministers in the church. The second set of instruction that uh, Paul gives us is about the life struggles that we all face. And he speaks about four things, really, that we all struggle with in some capacity uh, throughout our lives. He talks about these four things, our struggle with work, our struggle with salvation, our struggle with self-control, and our struggle with evil. Um, First, in uh, verses 14 and 15, this is where he uh, speaks of these things. He says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. So first we see that there's a struggle that we have with work and that that our call is to uh, do this. He says, verse 14 again, uh, admonish the idle. To speak to those who are idle in an in a important way. To say that there's more that you are called to in life than just being idle. There's a purpose in the work that God has given us to accomplish. Um, it, there is not, it is not uh, vain to go about work that God has given you to do with your hands. Paul says uh, earlier in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians uh, that we ought not to be dependent upon anyone. 1 Thessalonians Chapter 4, verse 12 uh, says this, 10 to 12, he says, We urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. Paul is calling us to, as much as we are able, uh, remove ourselves from being dependent upon uh, other individuals, those outside the church especially. And in our country, you know, that, that would be uh, to not be dependent upon our government or dependent upon uh, our, our other families when we're capable. To see that we are capable of earning a living for ourselves and providing for ourselves and not be dependent on, on anyone as much as we are able. First um, Timothy verses, chapter 5, verse 8 speaks to this a little more. He says this, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The call from Paul to Timothy is saying, listen, 
if God has given you an ability to earn a living that covers your expenses, then you ought to do that. And if you, if you shirk that responsibility, if you put it aside and say, no, I'm just not going to do it, God is saying that if you're not providing for yourself and your relatives and the household that you are over, then you've denied the faith and that you're worse than an unbeliever in some way. So Paul's uh, instruction there is, is uh, plain and clear. They ought to steward what God has given us, whether it's our talent, our treasure, or our time, that we use it to not be dependent upon others. And finally, he says that we ought to uh, work as though we're working for the Lord. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 17, 23, and 24 says this, In whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, work heartily. As, the Lord, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your, Lord, you, as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So regardless of what uh, system or, or job or profession that you're in, you're not working for men if God has given you that work to do. You're working for the Lord. So you shouldn't be worried about... Uh, the, the system that we're connected to and its brokenness, you should be worried about what God has called you to accomplish within that system. What you have been called to do in that system. And it may be as simple as earning a living for yourself and supporting yourself. It may be as simple as that. So God calls us to admonish the idol with these words that, that we not be dependent upon people, uh, that we not be uh, that we provide for ourselves and for our families, that we, that we work with our hands as though we were working for the Lord and not for men. Second, he says that we ought to uh, encourage the faint-hearted. This he's referencing is, uh, what he's referencing here is what he addressed earlier in, in the book of uh, Thessalonians to uh, encourage those who are facing the fear of death and the fear of uh, what has happened to those who have passed away. Uh, Earlier in Thessalonians, Paul has given us a sure hope beyond this life, which changes the way we understand death and how we grieve uh, for one another. Paul said that we don't grieve any longer as men do who have lost family members or, or friends, that, uh, that we grieve with a hope of meeting those who have come to know the Lord uh, again in eternity, that, that those who have uh, fallen asleep in Christ will rise again uh, when Christ comes and we will meet them there. So he encourages us who are faint-hearted, who are worried uh, about what is ahead, that we should be strong in the hope that Christ has given us because of uh, the reconciliation we have through him. So he says to encourage the faint-hearted for those who are facing fear and death. And fi- next he says that we ought to, uh, they ought to help the weak. And here he's speaking of those who are struggling with self-control, that our self-control is a is a symptom of misunderstanding who God is and who we are in light of Him. Um, that we, in, in not having self-control, are being led away by our own desires, as, as James 4, 7 and 8 says, that we ought not think that we are being tempted by God because God doesn't tempt anyone, but rather, when tempted, we are dragged away and enticed by our own selfish desires. And so he says, help those who are weak, who are falling into these traps of self-control, issues with self-control. And how do we help them? We help them by reminding them and reminding each other that who God is, of His holiness, of His righteousness, of His love for us, 
and reminding ourselves and reminding one another of who we are because of Christ. That because of Christ, we are now the righteousness of God and we stand in his perfection and holiness. And so the things that we used to struggle, we no longer need to struggle with because of what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. Finally, Paul tells us that we ought to, uh, in these three things, be patient with all. Uh, the fact is, uh, when we're doing okay in these areas, uh, it's difficult to be patient with those who are struggling in these areas. But the fact is, we need to have the humility and understanding to realize that we once struggled with these areas as well, if, if we're not now, and we need to have patience in dealing with each other. We ought to extend patience to those who are struggling uh, with uh, being idle. We ought to have patience with those who are struggling with their salvation. We ought to have patience with those who are struggling with self-control. We ought to have patience in extending God's mercy because God is a God who is patient with us. And finally, Paul's uh, last struggle that he deals with here is that we ought to uh, struggle with evil. Paul says in verse 15, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. The call on our lives as Christians is no longer to uh, fight evil with uh, more evil, to, to compound evil by doing bad to, to one another, by, by seeking revenge. Uh, no, Christ's call on us is to love those who we would normally call our enemies. And so there's something greater there that, is, uh, that God is calling us to. And, and uh, in Ephesians, uh, Paul speaks of our struggle not being against flesh and blood, but rather against the principalities of the air. And so our struggle with evil as we encounter it is not with, uh, with flesh and blood, but rather with the strongholds in people's lives that are holding them back from what God has for them. And so as we encounter evil and encounter uh, difficulty with, with individuals, we ought not repay people with evil, but rather uh, extend good to all. Paul says, instead of repaying evil for evil, we ought to seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Our call is not to uh, gain revenge over one another, but rather to seek the good in every situation to love those who would normally be called our enemies, to uh, see that our struggle with those who are uh, stuck in evil or bringing evil upon us in some way are controlled by evil. And we ought to pray against uh, the evil that is there and struggle against the evil that is there and not against the people that are before us, the souls that are before us. And so our struggle here is not against flesh and blood, but rather against spirits that are uh, that are coming against these individuals. And so we have to extend love to these people who are controlled uh, by this evil, who, who are uh, doing evil to one another and, and even to us. We ought not repay evil with evil, but rather do good to all. So Paul in this list of instructions has shown us that we ought to recognize those who have been called to a leadership role in our church. We ought to uh, esteem them, respect them, support them even. Um, we also ought to acknowledge uh, what the Lord has for us in, in a multitude of areas. As we struggle with work and salvation, self-control and evil, that we ought to look to Him and what He has for us. We ought to do as He has done, love as He has loved, extend hope and peace and, uh, and uh, patience as he has done with us. The fact is, if we uh, examine our lives 
and see the things that we have struggled with and realize the amount of things that we have struggled with. If we really reflect on what God, how God has been patient with each of us, we then will be able to extend that patience to others. To extend the love, the sacrificial love that God has given us to those around us who are struggling in these areas. So the call is not uh, just to some pastor that's set apart to to struggle with uh, those who are dealing with struggles of work and salvation, self-control and evil, but rather the call is to all of us as the church to do these things, to admonish the idle, to encourage the faint-hearted, to help the weak, to do good to all. The call in our lives as a church is to do this for one another, to encourage and support each other as the church. It is not a role that is given to just one person, but rather to the church as a whole. We have to put aside this thinking that the pastor is called to do all the ministry and realize that we are all called to minister unto one another, to minister to each other with hope and salvation, with encouragement of, of strength that we have in God, the righteousness that God has called us each to. Which we, we should encourage each other with good and rather, rather than uh, repaying each other with evil. Would you pray with me as we close? God, we're so thankful for Christ who came and showed us what it is to live in humility, even though he had authority over all creation. He came and washed the disciples' feet. God, I pray that we would have that sort of humility and that it wouldn't be a role that we just assign to professional ministers, vocational ministers, but rather that we would each be challenged to Encourage the faint-hearted, admonish the idle, help the weak, extend good to those who have brought evil. Let us pray that you uh, would help us to acknowledge those who have been called to leadership in the church. Not just here, Restoration, but, but all throughout this region, all throughout the world, that we would recognize the leadership that you have put in place, that we would acknowledge it and esteem those who have been called to that position. That we wouldn't exalt them higher than they are, but that we would respect the, the calling that is on their lives. And they would hold them to the standard that they've been called to, to labor diligently in seeking the Holy Spirit and His will for the church. And to admonishing the church to, to uh, stay true to the Word of God, the message that you've given us, this message of reconciliation. We're thankful for this time you've given us. Pray that you would encourage us each as we go. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.